Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us about the fears and the faith of Moses' mother, Jochebed, and how God delivered her from all fears within about four hours. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, if you follow along here in Exodus chapter 2, I'll start reading in verse 1. And there went out a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein and laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrew children. Then said her sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother, and Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away, and nurse it for me, and I will pay thee thy, thy wages will I give. And the woman took the child, and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him into Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses. For she said, because I drew him out of the water. So we see in Jochebed a real help for us, a real learning example. Why? Because she's a typical mother. She has a mother's heart to protect her son, she's not just any typical mother, she's a typical Jewish mother with a heart that over wants to protect her son. And when we look at Jochebed, we can see that she was at a crossroads. This is important to see about Jochebed. Jochebed didn't just float into this commitment level, but she really came to a point where she had to choose. And so when we consider the crossroads that she was at, and we consider the time when we get to those crossroads, then we realize we can choose to go down the road uh, marked with the sign, the avenue reads, this is the way of worry without God in the equation where most of what we worry about never really happens. And it's a battle for us. It's a battle for her to not give in to the suction to go down that road. But God has another way for us, and that's the way to resist worry, and that's the road that's described in Jeremiah 33.3 when God says, when you get to that crossroads, Go down this road, label this road, call unto me. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Let's imagine Jochebed the night before she put uh, little Moses in the ark. Just imagine her the night before. Let's imagine her the actual morning that she did that. 
when she put her baby in the ark and how easy it would have been for her to give in to worry, go down that road, worry without God. And let's just imagine what then she lived to see. For example, the night before Jochebed put the ark in the water, she might have given in to the worry that no one will find my baby and he'll be lost. See that thought. No one would find my baby and he will be lost. But what did Jochebed live to see? She lived to see her baby found, not just by anybody, but found by the daughter of Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt. The night before she put the baby in the ark, Jochebed might have had no sleep and she might have been there worrying all night, giving into the worry, my baby might die from being exposed to the elements. I can't bear the thought of it. I can't bear the image of my baby in a slow death dying from exposure to the elements. But what did Jochebed live to see? She lived to see her baby protected from the elements by being clothed in royal clothes and living in Pharaoh's palace. The night before she put the ark into the water, Jochebed might have been up all night worrying and giving in to the thought, my baby will be killed by wild animals or by Egyptians. But Jochebed lived to see her baby in the most in the, in the most powerful position of set to rise to the throne of Egypt. The night before, Jochebed might have given in to the worry that her baby would die a slow death of starvation and thirst. But Jochebed lived to see. She saw her baby return to her safe and sound, and she saw herself feed her own baby with her own breast milk. And later, Jochebed lived to see all of Egypt bringing her baby unmeasured amount of food and drink. So the Bible says in Isaiah 49, 15, it's actually God speaking about Israel, but the, here's what it says. Can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb. Can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? We can imagine Jochebed on that morning when she removes her sucking child from her milk to put him into the ark. And that morning, Jochebed might have given into the worry that within four hours, her baby's going to be crying out for milk for his next feeding. Oh no, then what's going to happen? And she'd be in agony as a woman who cannot forget her sucking child, which she has this desire to feed him again. And if she had given in to that worry, then she later on, she would look back and she says, you know what I saw? I saw my sucking baby return to me. Return to me. I saw myself feeding him again within four hours for his next feeding. And Jochebed was even paid to nurse her own baby. Then, after Jochebed had lived to see all that, we can imagine Jochebed sitting down with us. Let's say, sit down with us. And there she was. She was, sit down with us. And we might say to her, Jochebed, what can you tell me about what you learned? We know about what experience you went through. We read about it in Exodus 2. But tell us, Jochebed, what did you learn from that experience with your baby? And Jochebed would, would say, well, from what I went through, I can give you advice. 
And the greatest advice that I can give to you, and Jochebed would look us in the eye, we can imagine she would say, you know, I remember. I remember that night before my baby was put into the ark. I remember it so clearly like it was just now. And how I was so strongly tempted to walk down that road of worry without God. Oh, the temptation to worry was so strong. But I can tell you this, that I live to see that when you face the unknown and when you are tempted to give in to worry, that it's better to pray and trust. It's better to pray and trust by not giving in to worry. Instead, turn that desire to worry into a giving of thanks to God. Give God a vote of confidence by thanking him. First, thank God for hearing your prayer. Then she would say, then thank God for answering your prayer, even before you see it. Then she would say, thank God for using the answer to your prayer to show you great and mighty things that you knew not. And Jacobeb would then say to us, let me explain, I had no idea that God was going to use the answer to my prayer to protect my baby, to show me such great and mighty things. Great and mighty things as having my baby be found by the daughter of Pharaoh. Great and mighty things as having my baby clothed in royal clothes. Great and mighty thing as me nursing my own baby again. Great and mighty things as having my baby set on the throne to become the next Pharaoh. Great and mighty things as having my baby fed with the food of the palace. And going through all of that that I went through, she would tell us, it was worth it. It was worth it because I walked away with a prize far more valuable than just getting the protection of my baby. I walked away with the prize of learning how great how mighty and how loving and caring is my God. And I could not have learned this, just how great, how mighty, how loving, how caring my God is, if I had not been separated from my baby and if I had not committed my baby to God. Through the committing, she would tell us, through committing my baby to God, I found out how great God is and how great he takes care of what is committed to him. So she would say, I'll tell you what, you want to talk about that, what happened in the rescue of Moses? I was the winner. I walked away with knowing that God heard me. I walked away with knowing that God answered me. I walked away by knowing that God taught me through this answer just how great, just how mighty, just how loving, just how caring he really is. And there was no other way I could have learned this except by what happened to my baby. Now, what Jacobeb saw unfold before her with her baby was really the truth, a wonderful verse that's given to us in Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. In that verse, the Greek word for work together is the word synergio, synergio, 
which is where we get the word synergy from. In fact, it's interesting because in the New Testament, that word is translated in several places as fellow workers, fellow laborers, companions, and it really has the picture of working in a cooperation with each other. Those that are working in such a way that they have an eye on what the other is doing, and they are doing what they're doing in coordination with what the other is doing, cooperating. So the verse is really saying that all things are working in coordination, in a cooperation with each other, in a complementation with each other, like a relay race where one runner runs his course and then passes the baton off to the next runner, but each runner is watching the other so that he's ready to do his part when his turn comes and he's got his hand out and he's watching the hand of the other so that hand goes to hand the baton to pass from one to the other and it's a beautiful picture of synergism, of working together. That's the picture of this word. So basically this verse is saying, not by chance, not by accident, and that's what uh, Jochebed saw in the history of her baby. It was not by chance, she would tell you. She would say, we, I know that all things work together for good. She would say, it wasn't by chance, it wasn't by accident that Pharaoh's daughter just happened to go down to the river that day, at that time, for a bath. God put it in the heart of that Egyptian princess to go down to the river at that time for a bath. It was God who made her feel dirty and in need of a bath at that particular time. It was not by chance, it was not by accident, she would tell us, that the water currents and the little waves carried that ark that Moses was in over to right where Pharaoh's daughter was bathing. God controlled each current. God controlled each little wave to guide that ark with Moses in it over to where Pharaoh's daughter was. And we can just hear the angels in heaven as they were guiding and controlling the currents and the waves with all the coordination, and we could hear him saying, Ark number one, coming in for a landing. God put it in the heart of that Egyptian princess to feel sorry when she saw the baby in the ark. God caused Moses, baby Moses, to do something that he should never have done because it would reveal his presence when they were hiding him, to cry. And God caused him to cry And God caused that Egyptian princess to defy her father's order and save that baby. Josephus, the historian, the Jewish historian Josephus, tells us that Pharaoh had, that this Pharaoh had only one child, and this was the daughter of Pharaoh, and that the name of this Egyptian princess was Thermetus. And God caused Pharaoh to only have one child, a daughter who could not herself become Pharaoh. Josephus also tells us that this Pharaoh's daughter and her husband were infertile. So God caused that couple to be infertile. And we're going to see, we've seen here how Moses' sister Miriam made a suggestion to this Egyptian princess to find some Jewish nursing mother to feed the child. And God caused that Egyptian princess to accept Miriam's suggestion about finding some Jewish nursing mother to feed the child. Now think of each one of those events like football players on a field 
and all coordinated, all working synergistically with each other. The taking of the bath at the time of the river, the currents and the waves guiding the ark, the only child of Pharaoh that was a daughter, the infertility of that daughter with her husband, and the crying of Moses when he was looked at, the feeling sorry for the baby, the decision to defy Pharaoh's order, the suggestion to find the Jewish nursemaid, the acceptance of that suggestion. See, each one of those were part of the all things that were working together in clockwork, in perfect succession. All those things were cooperating with each other, were coordinating with each other for good to those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. Why? Because God was behind each one of those things. Now, the lost, they don't see it that way. The lost, they don't see those things working together. They say, hmm, that was a series of very fortunate coincidences. Coincidence. But we're saved. And the saved see those things as working together because we see God in his sovereign will making those things to work together. We see those things so clearly as God making them working together. As it says in Romans 8.28, that it starts with those very important words. We know as if we're planting a flag. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. We know it's a state of confidence. We know it's a vote of confidence. We know it's assurance that God is making all those things work together. Now, What is another verse that also talks about the all things work together, and they work together for the glory of God. It says in Romans 11, 36, for of him and through him and to him. So from him, by reason of him, and for him as a purpose to him are all things to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And that's why it also says in Hebrews 2, 10, For whom are all things, and by whom are all things? Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's another great truth, which is seen here in this history of Moses' rescue by Pharaoh's daughter. It's a very important principle for us. If you can, I'd like you to turn to this. It's in Job 5, 11 through 13. Job 5, 11 through 13. Very important statements are made in Job 5, 11 and 13 that relate right to our text here, right to our history that we're studying. Job 5, 11, 13 says this. God, speaking about God, it says, he sets up on high those that be low, that those which mourn may be exalted to safety. He disappointeth the devices of the crafty so that their hands cannot perform their enterprise. He taketh the wise in their own craftiness, and the counsel of the foreword is carried headlong. Now, we can see how these verses, we take these verses here in Job 5, and we just apply them side by side here with what we're reading in Exodus 2. So first, Job 5.11 says that God sets up on high those that be low. The very important words of that part are set up and low, they're key to that verse. What could be lower than a helpless infant floating in a little boat in the River Nile? He sets up the low. What could be lower than that? A helpless infant floating in a little boat in the River Nile? 
What could be, it says then he sets up, puts up high. What could be a higher set up than to be set up on a course for becoming the next Pharaoh, the most powerful king on earth? God set low baby Moses in an ark to be the next Pharaoh. Second, Job 5.11 says that God sets up on high those that be low so that those which mourn may be exalted to safety. The important words there are the words mourn and safety. Those are the key words. Now here's a question. What could be more mournful than a mother who has had her sucking child removed from her only to see her baby sail precariously away in a little boat down the River Nile. What could be more mournful than that? And what, and then the next part of the verse says that he might exalt to safety. What could be more of a relief? What could be more of an exaltation to safety than for that same mother to have her child, her baby, return to her for his next feeding? And now even to throw in to be paid for nursing her own child and then to see her baby grow up under the protection of the palace. Isn't that amazing? And now in in Job 5.12, it says, God disappointeth the devices of the crafty so that the hands cannot perform their enterprise. The important words there are the word disappointeth, disappoints, and cannot perform. That's key to the verse. God disappointeth the devices of the crafty. Here's the question. What could be more disappointing than for a pharaoh, the most powerful king on earth, to have his crafty devices to have babies killed at birth not succeed because of two lowly midwives. And then it says, God makes it so that their hands cannot perform, cannot perform their enterprise. What could be more disappointing for Pharaoh to see not only the midwives, but his own daughter make his hands not able to perform his enterprise of killing the Jewish male babies. And fourth, in Job 5.13, it says that God taketh the wise in their own craftiness. The words wise and taketh in their own craftiness are the key points of that verse. What could be more wise than a Pharaoh who says to his subjects, in Exodus 1.10, come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. What could be more crafty than to devise the ingenious double plan of enslaving all the Jewish people and killing all their male newborns? But Job 5.13 says that God causes the counsel of the foreword to be headlong. The word counsel means advice. What could be more like counsel or advice than for a pharaoh to introduce his plan to enslave and to exterminate with words like, come on, let us deal wisely with them. And Job 5.13 says that God causes that counsel of the foreword to be carried headlong. The carried headlong is a key phrase there, and it means to basically be overturned. 
So keeping in mind that Pharaoh had two fears about the Jewish people, which he expressed in Exodus 1.10 when he said, come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply, fear number one, lest they multiply and it come to pass when they fall without any war that they also join into our enemies and fight against us. And so get them out of our country, fear number two. So get them out of our country. His first fear, lest they multiply his crafty plan kill the male newborns. His second fear was, lest they get them out of our country. So his crafty plan was, keep them in the country by enslaving them so they could not leave Egypt. Pharaoh's wise, crafty counsel to his people was to kill their newborns, their their male newborns, and keep them in the land by enslavement. What could be more carried headlong? What could be more turned upside down than for that Pharaoh's counsel to enslave and exterminate the Jewish people to have worked out so that the daughter of that Pharaoh who devised the crafty plan to exterminate the Jewish male newborns should rescue a Moses. And that same daughter should pressure her father Pharaoh to house him, to feed him, to educate him, to promote that very man, Moses, who grew up to accomplish the very thing that Pharaoh was trying to prevent, the deliverance of the Jewish people and the taking of them out of the land like he was afraid of. Thank you for joining us today. We've got a wonderful new DVD resource teaching from Tom Cantor. It's called, What is a Jew by Choice versus a Jew by Birth? This has got great teaching from the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's wonderful for any Jewish person or a Christian. And Tom Cantor isn't just a great radio teacher. He's a wonderful visually animated preacher in this unique DVD presentation. So if you'd like to get a copy of this resource or any of the other materials, books, or videos that we offer, call us today at one 800 247 3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051. You can also go to friendshipwithgod.org for our online store. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Remember, you can always call us if you have a lost Jewish friend, neighbor, coworker that needs to be reached with a gospel gift. We can give it to you for free. Call us today, 1-800-247-3051, 247-3051.